The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey guys, it's Vlad Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. Happy Friday, you guys. You know, as I'm sure you guys are getting ready for Memorial Day weekend. You know, this is the time where people post memes on Facebook about how they remind you how it's Memorial Day. In case you forgot, in case you thought it was National Cookout Day or some crap like that, or a good shit-faced day. Whatever, anything to make them insufferable, condescending, you know, a-holes. But then, of course, they themselves are probably going to go and get shit-faced. So, for me, it's been an uneventful Friday because I'm, you know, our boss lets work from home, but I'm on call. And, of course, it's been quite all week, but naturally, two of my calls today have been hardware, hardware issues... So, and they, and they occur on different times of the day. One happened early in the morning, just as I sat down to have my coffee. So, I had to go all the way in, drop back in, in the medical center, took care of that. Now, just as I got home, I got another page for another hardware issue. Same, similar thing. But this time, this one, the, this one, the monitor isn't even coming on. So, and... I could just have help desk go down and do it, but the problem is with help desk and desktop support is if they see it, there's like if it's like it has some sort of medical imaging thing attached to it, they won't touch it. You know, whereas me, you know, from growing up in the hard, you know, back in you know the hardware days, to me, hard, hardware was hardware. So. No, if you unplug something, if it doesn't come back up, you just reboot it, it comes back up, all, all that stuff. I mean, that's really all it is, but for some people, if it looks different to them, if, if it feels foreign, they won't touch it because they're afraid. Worst you can do is, the worst you can do is turn it off and not turn it back on. So, I'm heading back at the medical center for a second time. I'm hoping, I'm hoping this is the last time I have to do this. And I hope this weekend is quiet, but from Memorial Day, but I won't hold my breath. And really, you know, there's not much to talk about sports-wise, and I just figured I'd throw one last thing in and just have a potpourri of topics. First of all, Pitt Baseball's in the semifinals. They play tomorrow. And um, I'm surprised, really. I mean, I thought they would be an early exit, but they've... Pulled off two big wins, 2-1 over Tech, 5-4 over North Carolina, although that has some controversy as they got screwed on a, they, they got screwed by the, by the umps. But, you know, again, it's Carolina in Carolina, so that, that's going to happen. But Pitt over, but, you know, Pitt, despite collusion from uh, the ACC, got it done. So they're moving on. I'm not sure what happens to Jordano after this year. 
as you know, this has been a topic of mine for a few last few podcasts. He's been here for so long, 18, 18 years probably. Does Heather like stick with him, or does she go with somebody else? Does she feel that uh, this that the program now is trending upwards, where she feels comfortable with him? Because you know, he had some good years in the Big East. It's just they couldn't qualify. You know, and that's just the thing we have to look at. Does she feel comfortable with him, or does she have somebody else in mind that can get them to the next level? Who knows? But until then, enjoy the ride. I think it's great. I like to see. It'd be awesome to see Pickett get to the uh, tournament. You know, go on a run, but probably won't be the case. But they've had a hell of a year. I mean, yeah, losing record in the ACC, but it's been the, they've had. This has been the most wins they've ever had in the ACC. And it's a, and, you know, baseball ACC is a tough place to play. It really is. Tough conference. So Pitts, you know, they've, you know, they obviously are, have been in the transition to this. Other sports have. Basketball especially. Although I, I really don't think Jamie Dixon had to really change his formula all that for the ACC. I think if he'd have just kept his Big East formula with, the, you know, recruiting the bruisers and stuff like that, people would have still won in the, in this, in the, in the conference. But, of course, those players that you get, you have to convince them to, uh, to play in the ACC. They want to, you know, or else they want to play their, their buddies in the Big East. But, if you ever, but uh, you know, people have, you know, have um, pushed this narrative about the Pittsburgh, the Pitt New York pipeline. You know, early in the Dixon Holland years, that was a big pipeline. But after a while, it died off. I mean, they got players from New York, but it wasn't exclusive. I mean, they were getting guys from Maryland, Philly, Texas, uh, Canada, Brazil. I mean, uh, South America. I mean, I think Stephen Ailes is from Brazil, one of the two. So, Pitt was getting their players from all over the place. So, the whole Pitt and New York pipeline for the Big East was always such a false narrative. I mean, because we all, I mean, because we all knew the pick out their players from all over the place. But, you know, people love, the, you know, it's something for people to write, you know, for narratives to push. And, you know, I took some time to look at uh, what Lance White's doing at, uh, with the women's basketball. And, uh, you know, I like the guy. I like his energy. I think he's going to be really good for pit basketball, and I just got a vibe that you know pit, the women's poops program may may take off. It may really take off with him at the helm. We shall see. All right, so let's go to some bevy of uh, topics that are popular. Obviously, the first thing is the anthem, the whole the whole NFL anthem stuff. I won't dive too deeply into it because you guys have probably been on Twitter reading every hot take, opinion, replies, all this stuff. Now, you know, when I went to the games up until 2009, the players never came out for the anthem. 
they were always in the locker room, and the court, you know, we sing, the anthem was sang, and then the players, then the, and they introduced the teams. That's how it always was. So obviously, my, like my dad said, something changed along the way, and of course, you know, after the date was 2011, where supposedly they started having players come out, and uh, obviously it was because they made the NFL got in bed with the military, and that's what they wanted. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Where the NFL screwed up is they probably, when they did this whole thing said, hey, you guys need to come out for the anthem, but you have to stand for the anthem if you're going to be out there. So, that's just how it is. I mean, a lot of you guys, when you go to the, the, the games, when you hear the anthem, what do you do? You stand up. Put your hand on your heart or take your, you know, definitely take your hat off. That's just how that's just how it all it always is. So probably what NFL screwed up was they made standing optional. And you know, obviously, you know, they probably didn't think this through, and obviously they probably didn't think they would have this type of thing, you know, with the with not so much with the anthem protest with the guy with the, with the players kneeling. But the only thing that, um, for me, is that I wish the players and the owners could have went, could have sat down and had a meaningful dialogue about it. I think that's what's the what really the problem is. is it's, it's the dialogue. Even Sean Jones said I listened to him on Josh Ennis you know, the other the other day in, in Houston. You know, Sean's worked for the players' union. He's worked for the NFL, the players' union, all over the place. And a lot of these roles are pretty much up for debate in the collective bargaining agreements. So, that's, I mean, if you wonder why Goodell has a job, is because he knows how to bring the players union down to their knees. So, that's the only real reason why Roger Goodell still has a job. Because that, because that agreement is going to be up for renegotiation pretty soon, and they're going to need Goodell to lead the charge. Where they'll eventually probably have them step down after that, because they don't want to have a new leader in there trying to bargain with these players. So, like I said, that's you know when they, when they, when they put this in place, they should have had this these guidelines set beforehand, which they didn't. So that's on them. They screwed this. I mean, the NFL screwed this up. And so now you just have a combination between them and the players going back and forth. And you got two, both sides of the argument going back and forth of the whole thing. And to be honest, for me, my thought is when, when you know, obviously it's, it's talked about now. But I think once the, once the season starts and as the season goes along, it'll, it'll die down. It'll, be, it'll probably, probably become a moot point after that and people will forget about it. It's just you have to hope the president keeps his mouth shut about it. Because that was the problem in the beginning. You know, the kneeling protest, there was, only, there was very few guys doing it. And it wasn't that big of, a, big of an issue. At all. 
because very few of them were doing it then, and nobody, it was never talked about. But then uh, the president of the United States decided to have his little speech and call him a few names, and well, there you have it. It, it, it was back on. But I believe the reason it was done, why the president made the words, said the words that he said, was because he was trying to distort the message of the protest. Because if you distort it, you can go ahead and make these rules. Because initially, they were doing it to, for social, you know, the protest social issues, inequality and social issues, basically. So, if you go ahead and call these players SOBs and things of that nature, well, they get mad and they kneel. So, why are you kneeling? Not because of social justice and equality, all that, all those things. Not they're just kneeling just to kneel. So it doesn't be you know. So right then and there, the the original message of what you know Colin Kaepernick was doing gets screwed up. It gets distorted. So then the NFL can say. You guys aren't kneeling, really kneeling for this stuff. You're just kneeling because you're upset or, you're, or your feelings are hurt. Because, you know, after what happened with the, especially what happened with the Texans, when Bob and Nair made the words they said, you know, during that meeting, that sure enough, most of the Texans started kneeling after that. But, I mean, it'll die down. One thing the players could do is not play. But then, of course, the owners would not pay them. So then you, it'd be like a strike. And you got a lot of players who want that, who need that paycheck. Because there's something, I mean, although they make a lot of money, there's a lot of players that live paycheck to paycheck still because they're, they sp- they, they're overspent. Or, I mean, not so much overspent, but they don't take care of their finances. You know, we've had instances where people have, you know, or athletes, they may have somebody not qualified if they're bookkeeping screwing it up or they sign over power attorney to somebody so this it's just gonna be hard to do so like I said like I said they'll probably die down as the season goes along so I just really wouldn't waste the energy on it right now. You know, for one thing, the NFL made the decision they made, and although it was a relief, I don't know. It's just the NFL. Giving, I mean, because basically they, what, they, what they don't want is people kneeling, and they don't want them on television kneeling. They want them, So it's easier to have them stay in the locker room. You know, Mike Tolman did that, and he took a lot of criticism for it. But you know what? Tolman knew there was players divide on this issue. And he thought it was best just to stay away from it. Because, you know, you, it's just... When you have A5 guys in a... When you have so many... Not the A5 guys, but when you have so many guys in a locker like 50-something guys. Different personalities, different beliefs. People are going to get judged. So he decided, you know, if he wanted to protect his players is what all, all was. And of course, you know, you had Villanueva who went out there and and yeah, the message was was to stay inside the locker room. But, you know, with Villanueva, I had no issues with him going out there because he's a veteran. And that's what, you know, 
and I know it's hard for him, you know, to, you know, stay in the locker room. He he wanted to go and pledge his flag because you know that's you know, you know that's what he did. I mean that's that's what he took bullets for. Well, I mean he gets shot for, it, but I don't think he was shot for. It, but that's what he fought. You know, he fought evil for. Let's move on from that. We got the NBA playoffs going on still. You know, you know, we got LeBron James down three games of two. I wasn't surprised by the Celtics winning game game five. Not so much because it was at home, but game four, I thought he had the the Cavaliers where he where he wanted them. It's just that he couldn't stop LeBron James. And when you couldn't, you know, when you can't stop LeBron, that's what happens. I mean. Celtics weren't totally, weren't totally out of that game. It's just, uh, if it wasn't for LeBron, LeBron just put him away pretty much. So, we're back in Cleveland, and, you know, I'm sure LeBron's going to go all out and probably win that one. Or maybe Brad Stevens pulls off a miracle. Who knows? I mean, it's a lot to, lot to talk about, a lot to consider. But um, a Brad Stevens in the NBA Finals, I mean, that'd be, that'd be something. Here's a guy who, you know, he pretty much has one of her pitted, pretty much, pretty much ended the Dixon era pit. Although he didn't really humiliate Jamie at all in any sense. It was a pretty evenly matched uh, game between them and Butler. Although Butler was an eighth seed and Pitt was a one seed. It's just that um, at the end of the day, Jamie didn't take his players off the off the foul line and Naz, Naz Robinson committed one of the most boneheaded, boneheaded plays in the history of Pitt basketball. I mean, that team that year, they were very talented, but they did do some things that made you just say, what the, you know, what the fuck? So let's be honest. They did, they did, you know, do some head scratching things sometimes. Uh, like I said, you know, Tom Izzo is being considered now for the Atlanta Magic job, which would probably be a, um, I could see why he would leave, given what's happened with uh, at Michigan State with, with the Larry Nassar stuff. And of course, I guess he's getting dragged into it as well. Because I guess he has, to, I mean, he, supposedly he may have had some, you know, I don't know if he had any knowledge, but I guess he got dragged over the um, over some issues with uh, with his players, off the field stuff. Now, from what Michigan State people said, it was it's already but he's already addressed it. You know, it's already been handled, and that ESPN just dig you know he, you know media outlets at ESPN just digging up stuff just for a story. So he's probably getting sick of it. He knows that um, you know if things end for him at Michigan State. It's going to be hard for him to find our job, so this is why he's moving on. So I can see it happening. I mean, don't laugh. I mean, I mentioned Jamie Dixon last 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 week, possibly 
being considered, you know, for, for the Mavericks job. It could happen. I mean, it depends on how high he does a TCU. Maybe Mark Cuban looks at what he does and says, hey, you know, maybe maybe he, maybe he want to coach in the pros. And I, can, I mean, I, that's only one job I can see. You know, Jamie leaving the TCU for his alma mater, unless, he, unless there's a, you know, a West Coast job somewhere near his parents. It would just depend on the uh, what, you know, what he's looking for. But last time we saw the Rockets win, and Chris Paul is out for game six. And the thing about this is uh, this is this is bad for the Rockets because they're gonna need a healthy Chris Paul to close that game this series. I do believe though, you know the Rockets still I mean it depends on what Harden does. Harden's been struggling as of late. They're gonna need him to show up in game six because with Paul out, they're if he doesn't show up, they're screwed for the most part. And Paul pretty much put him on his back in game five. Whereas Harden, you know, didn't. And that's pretty much and this is why, you know, James Harden this is why Chris Paul was brought in. You know, so in case of uh, James Harden has these type of lapses, somebody, you know, can be the can be the one who takes charge. And that's what Chris Paul has done, he's been the leader. And, uh, you know, last few two games have been close. And, of course, what the Rockets have been doing is they, they've gone for the from the, the, the D'Antoni typical run-and-gun offense to a half-court defensive style. So, I mean, if you're a Pitt fan, pretty much, he's got they're going from the Kevin Stallings up-tempo to the Jamie Dixon half-court. So, they, there you have it. <laughs> and it's worked out for them. I mean, they've won the last two games. I mean, and... I just don't see them. I just don't see them knocking out the Warriors right now, especially if they, without without Chris Paul. They're gonna need him back for sure. But anyways, guys, enjoy the weekend. Obviously, there'll be some fun stuff this weekend. We got basketball, more NBA playoffs. We got Pip baseball on Saturday. And uh, let's not forget about the Stanley Cup playoffs kicking off. We got Ovi versus Flurry. I forgot to talk about that. You know, obviously Ovi got over his little um, jinx there, and he's got he's in the he's finally made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. But they got the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, I believe, is who they are. Or, or, or are they the Kent State Golden Flashers? <laughs> I don't know, but Flurry's on a hot streak. They took they took Winnipeg in five, and but I think uh, the Capitals obviously are, are very hungry because they're here, and this could be the chance for Ovi to finally get the monkey off his back and get himself a cup. And I'm sure the NHL would love the ha- love for this to happen to love him have a cup, and this is the best situation for him. I mean, this is the best thing, you know, 
to me, I mean, I thought if, if they're going to get past the Pens, they better damn well win the, win the Cup. Otherwise, you're like, what the hell? You, you, beat, you beat us. You finally get that monkey off your back, and then, you know, with a golden chance to win, win the Cup, you blow it. So, and I know, obviously, Pens fans are at all. That's, well, there's some over who to root for, and you know, Flurry's in the Stanley Cup Finals, and, you know, Flurry's gone, but you can still root for him, you know, if you want. I mean, the guy, he wasn't such a bad guy. I mean, for the Pens, it was a business decision. The guy's, the guy's old. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have many years left. And you got a young goaltender who's already won two cups for you. So, you take the, you get, obviously, you go with the young guy. You don't do what the Steelers do and uh, let the young guy go and you know stick with the old guy because of loyalty. Because that's what the Steelers used to do. And sometimes they still do that, which baffles my mind. But anyways, guys, enough rambling. Finally, enjoy the holiday weekend. Hell to pit.